something that is real life. Real life. And here's the thing about real life. Real life can, it can hurt. Real life can hurt. Our bodies can hurt. I'm learning that a little bit more as I, as I age here just a little bit. But uh, our feelings can get hurt. Our egos can get hurt and damaged. Relationships can hurt. I'm not being negative. This is just real life. Life can hurt. And so just for a little bit here this evening, I want to talk to you about when life hurts. When life hurts. Lord, thank you, God, for every person who has chosen to tune into this, whether live or they're listening or watching this at a later time. God, let your word come to life in a powerful, magnificent way, in a way that I'm not capable of making it happen, but you are. And so, God, I just pray that you would anoint me to speak your word with clarity, God, and anointing. In your name we pray. Amen. Not counting what insurance companies paid to lower the costs to the consumer. So not counting what insurance, I want you to get that. This is not counting what insurance paid. Just Americans themselves paid in 2019 well over 60, that's six zero, 60 billion dollars on prescription medications in 2019. 60 billion dollars out of pocket, not insurance companies, paid by Americans for prescription medications. These medications exist to treat everything from high blood pressure to runny nose. And there are over 20,000 medications. I want you to just let that sink in, you know, because 60 billion. If you, are a, if you are a person that has $60 billion, congratulations. Uh, but I know that the most, of, the most of us that are listening or watching this, you don't really understand what $60 billion looks like, nor do I. But how about 20000 Even that might be a stretch, so I'm going to try and put things into perspective because there are over 20,000 medications that bear FDA approval. And to help put that in perspective, our local venue, the Sprint Center, or I should say the venue formerly known as the Sprint Center, I guess it's called the T-Mobile Center, that's going over a facelift, but that has a seating capacity of 18,972. So imagine putting every single FDA-approved medication. You take an FDA-approved medication and put one on each seat in that, in that Sprint T-Mobile Center. And you would fill every single seat in the whole building and still have a thousand more lined up outside. Wow, that is what FDA has approved. Now, experts, even today, were, you know, they're scrambling, trying to find some kind of a cure or vaccine or something for COVID-19. And we wish them the best. But wouldn't it be wonderful if science could develop just one wonder drug? that could be applied to every single disease. It could, it could take care of every person all over and one that applied to every walk of life, one that could never be overused no matter how often the patient felt the need for it. 
And what if such a remedy was absolutely, totally, completely free, free of charge? Now that I have all of your attention, I'm here to tell you I am not a scientist. Matter of fact, I, I couldn't stand science. That's why I, that's why I switched out of being a dentist, because I realized I was going to have to delve into sciences for like the next decade of my life, and I lasted like one semester. So I'm not a scientist. I am not a doctor. I'm not a researcher. I'm not a pharmacist. I am a pastor, though. And so although I wish that I could come up with this drug that would help the physical well-being, the mental well-being of all of humankind, I'm here to talk about your spiritual well-being. And for the Christian, such a spiritual medication it does exist. Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. There's really no way to place a value on a spiritual possession that is applicable for every illness of life. Something that can be applied liberally to all hurts, provides healing and strength to everyone who utilizes it, and it's free. This this spiritual wonder drug is joy. It's joy. It seems like we only visit this topic, you know, like in December. Joy to the world. How did that sound? It sounded great here. If it doesn't sound good, it's just the live stream. It's just the way it's coming through your device. But really here, it was, it was great. Um, but we sing joy to the world. We need joy, though, more than just in December. But that's when we talk about, like, joy unspeakable, oh, joy, joy to the world, joy to the world, the Lord has come. But we need it today probably more than ever. Joy, though, is it, is it a feeling? Is joy a choice? Is it something external? Is it internal? Is it a little bit of both? Those who have been baptized with God's Spirit know by experience that joy is an inherent part of this experience. I have never, in all my years of life and pastoring ministry, I've never prayed with someone or seen someone come up out of the water, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with his spirit, and look down, depressed, and say, well, that wasn't, that wasn't anything good, or I, I thought that would be better. Like, every single time, People are just glowing, they're smiling, they're like, wow, my sins have been washed away, I'm filled with God's spirit. And words can never really completely capture that until you go through that. I can try and explain like, hey, imagine walking in feeling guilty and condemned, and then you come up out of the water and your sins are washed away. Imagine living this sinful life of humanity, and all of a sudden you're now filled with God's spirit, and he's given you the evidence of speaking in other tongues, so now you have this evidence that I've, I'm, I've got it. And I can try to put these things into words, but until you personally go through it, until you personally experience it, you can't really, really fully understand. I guess it's kind of like having a, giving birth to a child, you know, that people always told me my wife was pregnant with our first baby, you know, 11, 12 years ago. And, oh, it's amazing. You're a love parenting. Oh, just wait till the baby's born. Oh, just wait. Just you, all this love in one little bundle. And, you know, and you're like, oh, cool. This is going to be awesome. And you think you understand but then all of a sudden that first baby's born and you hear the cry and you're like, oh my goodness, this child, I, I contributed, I, this child was formed from my body and, and how could I love 
this child so much. I never even met this child, but yet the minute this child entered into the, the, the world from the womb, you love this baby so much. And it's something you just really can't fully understand until you experience it. But joy isn't just the byproduct of the spirit. Joy is absolutely vital to the life of a Christian. Romans 14, 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. See, if you're going on your fast, there you go. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. You need to skip that meat and drink. Some of you are like, hey, some of you in the middle of your fast and meat and drink sounds amazing. I'm sorry, but it says it's not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy is not only a key element of entrance into the kingdom. It's also the product of living life as a child of God. I'll never forget. I will never forget. I wrote it in a notebook when I was a young just teen. I had just gotten serious about God. And a missionary from Panama. I don't remember the missionary's name. But the missionary said joy is a direct byproduct of a healthy relationship with God. Joy is the direct byproduct of a healthy relationship with God. If your joy is lacking, if you find that your joy is lacking, look first and foremost, before anything else, look first and foremost at your relationship with God. Start there. Joy is something that people should see in the life of a believer. Look at the, the, the second fruit of the Spirit that is listed, that Paul lists in Galatians. Galatians 5.22, it says, but the, the fruit of the Spirit is love and then what? Joy. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, all these things. But joy is the second thing listed. This joy is the remedy for dealing with difficult situations. Because you know what? It's not like, well, you were in the world and you dealt with difficult situations and difficult people and broken hearts and hurt feelings and pain in body. But once you come to God, it's all gone. No, 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 no. That's going to happen one day. The Bible says one day we're going to walk on streets of gold and we're going to be in the presence of the Lord forever. He's going to wipe away every tear from our eye. There's going to be no more pain, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more dying. None of that. But that's the afterlife. That is after the resurrection, the second coming, that is not today. So today, it's not like just because I, my life, if, if I'm pre-Christ or after Christ, there's still pain, suffering, sorrow, broken hearts, feelings, hurt feelings, pain in body. We still deal with these things. And so joy is the remedy for difficult situations, for doctor's reports, for Painful losses for emotional battles, mental anguish, rude comments. Some of you, I'm sitting here speaking, and you tuned in because you saw the title. I know some of you are like, hey, I'll tune in because this is my church, and I'm supposed to be here on Wednesday. And, and you're here just because tradition tells you to be here and tune in on a Wednesday. But there's someone that's watching right now that you tuned in to this message, this service, this presentation, this live stream. Because you're dealing with pain. Because something is going on in your heart, in your mind, in your relationships, in your marriage, with your children, on your job. That you are hurting. That life is causing you pain right now. That you are saying, God, I don't know how I can continue to function like I'm functioning. I am so hurt, so broken, so worried, so much feeling, so much distress and anxiety. And I'm here to tell you that 
prescription is joy. And I know you say, yeah, right. Well, how do you do that? I mean, just like, if it, I, wish, I wish it was like a light switch. You could walk to a wall and flip it on and like, oh, wow, the darkness that I was experiencing, my heart and my mind, it's now light and all of it's gone. Believe me, I can stand here and talk about this not because I haven't gone through things. I've just gone through things recently in my life. That there are times where you're just going, God, I feel so broken and hurt and, and stressed and looking for answers. I need you, God. But the spiritual medicine of joy does not make things disappear or go away. I wish it did. <laughs> I wish it was like, hey, yeah, you know, go through your house right now on the third switch on the left side. Just flip that. Boom. Darkness disappears. Joy comes in and you're good. I wish. But joy provides the answer for all of the damaging effects of our lives. Joy gives us the ability to continue to keep going through whatever life may produce. Like the Christian song that's out and pretty popular right now. It says, I choose joy. Because joy is something that we feel. But in order to feel it, we often we have to choose it. Each day, have you ever gone through something? Maybe you're going through something right now. Where you wake up, and each day, you roll out of that bed. And your problem is just facing you. It's like, it seems like it's waiting for you. You sleep, and you wake up, and it's almost like you sit up and run right into it. And you have to like, before you put your feet on the ground, there was times that I've gone through things. That I refused to put my feet on the ground until I acknowledged God's power. That I was actually so stressed or fighting so many things that were bringing me low in mind and body and spirit. That before I would put my feet on the ground, I would just say, God, I choose joy. God, you're in control of this day. And I would actually have to make a conscientious decision. God, before I sit up, before I start the day, because to me, like, my eyes opening, now, I don't really start the day until I get my feet on the ground. And so here I am laying in that bed going, God, before I put these, the soles of my feet on this carpet, you have a plan for this day. You're in control of this day. I choose joy. We have to do that. See, when the prophets Ezra and Nehemiah were reading the law at a time, where they were, were rebuilding walls and temples and city walls. Look at look what scripture says. Nehemiah 8.10 says, Nehemiah continued. He said, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. Sorry, it, 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 I'm, all this meat and drink and rich foods and, and, and sweet drinks. <laughs> and you, some of you are fasting. And I, I didn't purposely choose this. But it says, share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. Look what he says, though. He says, this is a sacred day before our Lord don't be dejected and sad for why the joy of the Lord is your strength. Just leave that scripture. I want you to, if you're looking, if you're watching, maybe you're listening, you're not watching. But if you're watching, look at that scripture on your screen. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you feel weak, cling to this passage. If you feel stressed out, cling to this passage. If you feel depressed, 
thing with this passage. The joy of the Lord. I, I just feel so weak. And God understands that. The joy of the Lord is just, even though naysayers were around Ezra and Nehemiah at that time, the future was still unknown. The task at hand was a big one. Nehemiah tells them to make a choice to, be, to not be dejected and sad, but instead say, God, your joy is my strength. And there are times we will need to be intentional about choosing joy, about turning our tears to joy. We see this intentional change. We, that's what I love about Scripture. I say this all the time in our church that God could have given us his word and just celebrated high points. He didn't have to tell us Peter failed. He didn't have to tell us David failed. He didn't have to tell us about Abraham's failure. He didn't have to tell us about these things. He didn't even have to share the story of Adam and Eve. He could have just said, I created Adam and Eve. They were in a garden, and then they replenished the earth, and then the great things happened. But the Bible is beautiful because it shows humanity, a humanity that God loves and gave himself for. And he created us in this perfect environment, but sin messes it up. I might talk about sin on Sunday, but sin messes it up. But he says, here's humanity. Let me tell you the story of failures. Let me tell you the story of a nation who I called and made a covenant people, but they let me down again and again and again. But yet, I preserved the remnant. Yet, I loved them enough because I took on flesh and I died for them. Let me tell you the story about brokenness and failure. And, and, but in spite of all that, I love my people enough that I want to put my spirit in them. And I got to prepare a place for them so that they're where I am, there they may be also. And so I love that we can read these stories and say, look at these people who were imperfect failures in a lot of ways. But we see their weaknesses and then we see the way they battled. And some of them did not battle well and they gave up. And we see the result, the end result. But then others, we see them fail and falter. But then we see them fight back and we see the beautiful result in the end. And look at one of the Psalms of David in Psalm 30 and 8. It says, I cried out to you, Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy. It doesn't sound like he's having a good day, does it? He says, what will you gain if I die? If I sink into the grave, can my dust praise you? It does not sound like David's having a good day. You read this, it doesn't sound like, wow, hey, I want to I go where he's going. What restaurant is he eating at? Like, because that sounds wonderful. No, he sounds like he is having a terrible. He says, can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord. Have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. It sounds like he's really, really going through it. But then all of a sudden, look what he says in verse 11. He says, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, my Lord God, I will give you thanks forever. What a shift that takes place right there. Right in the middle of this passage, it's almost like he's, you know, because God's big enough. Nobody is telling you you cannot share your real feelings with God. You just got to pretend everything's great. David proves that. We see it over and over. Read the psalm. Most of those psalms, many of them are psalms of lament. Meaning he's like, where are you? What? Have you forsaken me? Even Jesus, he's sitting there on the cross. Why, oh, Father, why have you forsaken me? God's big enough to handle whatever you, whatever you can bring him. So you can tell me, God, 
where, where are you? I feel alone. I feel like you forgot me. I'm so down. Are you even there, God? I feel just like, like I'm being punished for something. You, you share whatever you're feeling. But at the end, we see the way David does it. He doesn't accuse God of something and walk away. He doesn't accuse God and say, I'm done. I'm out of here. Because a lot of times Christianity does that today. We, we blame God for things. We get angry with him. And then people walk away. And then they say, well, I'm not going to church because it doesn't do me any good. And I'm not going to be in service. I'm not going to get close to brothers and sisters. I'm not going to serve in ministry. I'm done. That's not the way you respond to hurt. But don't quit. You don't quit on God. Don't quit on others. Don't quit on your church. Don't quit leading your family. Don't quit the prayer life. Don't quit spiritual disciplines. That doesn't help. That hurts. But when you share these things and then say, okay, God, now I've shared to you how I feel and what I'm going through. But now I'm going to make a choice. And I choose joy. You turn, turn my mourning into dancing and my sorrow into song. And Lord, I, I am making a, a decision that I'm going to sing praises to your name. If you think joy is simply, hear this, this is a good one. If you think joy is simply the absence of pain, you are so wrong. If you only have joy when you get a raise on the job, buy a new car, get a new house, or even just the first day you got filled with the Spirit or sins washed away, like, that's not joy. Joy is not only the absence of pain. Joy is a choice that you make every day. Joy is a choice that David, in the midst of what he was feeling, said, I choose joy. You've turned my morning into dancing. Joy is the redeemed soul's answer to pain. When Peter wrote his first epistle, he quickly addressed the hurts of his audience in 1 Peter 1, 6. He said, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. See, part of what joy is, is it's keeping an eternal perspective. Do you know what was on the horizon for Peter and the believers of that first century church? I mean, you're talking about beheadings, being burned alive, filleted, dragged to death, beat with a club, fed to lions. Peter says, so be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure trial. Yeah, I, I would say that was enduring some trials. But you see, if, if our only focus is on the temporary, if it's only on the amount of time that we took out our mortgage on our house, 15 to 30 years, if that's the only way that we're going to define joy, you're going to really struggle to have joy. But Peter tells a group of people, and he himself, history says the fact that there's no total proof on this, but he was said to have been crucified upside down. But his buddies that he walked with and did life with, like I said, filleted alive, beat to death with a club, beheaded, killed with a spear. But Peter says, hey, we're going to endure some stuff here. But I tell you what, beyond the horizon, there's joy ahead. Because there's eternity. Because we get so consumed with here now, but... There's eternity and there's joy. And yeah, we're going to deal with some things. But then he says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. I'd say so. 
those martyrs of that first century church, it showed their faith was genuine. That's why history re records the fact that people were fed to lions, families fed lions while singing songs of worship to God. How can we sing songs of worship? At a time like that, or even a time like today, in no way am I saying COVID, things we're dealing with is, is equal to lions, because that's ridiculous. But even the issues that we're dealing with in modern day society, I'm not going to live in anxiety, I'm going to live with the Psalms. Because why? Because God is worthy. And he says, yeah, these trials are going to show, show your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith is, or I'm sorry, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Notice he says, be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though trials are coming. And then he ends with Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. One of the keys to having true joy on this earth is to remember that I'm not going to be on this earth forever. And so that's why sometimes in Christianity we have such a mixed up view of death. Because, oh, no, it's over. No, it's not. It's only just begun. And that's why when Paul talks about it, he says, the dead in Christ are going to rise. Comfort one another with these words. The first century church, they understood that. And so that's why I can't be sitting here saying, listen, you have to worry. Yeah, we're going to endure some things. It's going to prove our faith in Christ. But at the end of the day, man, God's coming back for his church. And that is true joy, the eternal view. So when life doesn't go well, I lost my job, lost the money, short on the bills, I, I, I can, I can, yeah, absolutely. I think that we should come up with a plan, live on a budget, do things, work as hard as we can. Absolutely, of course. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to, my, my life, this is temporary. My joy is not based on how Wednesday morning went. My joy is not based on what's on my schedule for Thursday. My joy is on, you know what? I've been placed, I've been filled with the spirit, I've been washed in the blood, I've been forgiven, I've been set free, sanctified. I'm here to, to minister, to reach as many people as I can, make, a, make disciples, to be a disciple. And then you know what, I'm going to get to spend eternity with a time clock that never ends. I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever and ever and forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It never ends, it never comes to a stop. I get to be in the presence of the Lord for eternity. That brings me joy. And that's why in these difficulties that Peter talks about, they wouldn't be normally associated with people of joy. But look what he goes on to say in verse 8. He says, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Inexpressible joy. Why? Because a glorious eternity is on the horizon. And so I close with this. Jude, verse 24 and 25, it says, Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling 
from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fall. Before we go on, just leave it on verse 24. It says, all glory who's able to keep you from, to God who's able to keep you from falling with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fall. That brings me joy as the hope that I have. It's hard to have joy if you don't have hope. That's everything. People lose a job, they can keep joy. All of a sudden, they lose that joy when they've sent out 27 resumes and haven't gotten a call. People can go to a first doctor's visit and get a bad report and say, well, yeah, but they sent me for a second referral. And, and so they hold on to that hope. But when four doctors have said the same thing, then joy starts to fade. Because why? Because we lose hope. Hope is such a powerful medicine. Hope is something that keeps us clinging and hanging on. That's why a lot of times couples who want to come to marriage counseling, there's still joy and hope. Or there's still joy in the marriage when there's hope there. But when they say, this ain't going anywhere. I don't ever see this ain't doing it. Nothing's going to change. When the hope is taken out, the joy is usually gone. Which one goes first? Is the hope gone and then the joy or the joy and then the hope? Usually when you remove hope from the equation, joy goes with it. But here's the thing, with Jesus Christ in any situation, it doesn't matter if it's physical, mental, emotional, relational, no matter what, financial, if Jesus Christ is alive and well, which he is, there is always hope. There's always hope. Hear me. There is always, there's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your finances. There's hope for your physical well-being. There's hope for your mental well-being. There is hope for you. Jesus Christ can touch you and be with you and be a friend to you and strengthen you. He can deliver, sanctify, set free. I know if people were here, I'd probably have some clap, and hopefully somebody's clapping at home, not because I want the clap, but because I want God to get the glory, because I'm speaking truth right now, that where God is, there's always hope. And when there's hope, then there can be joy, because I can say, God, I have hope. And no matter what this world, no matter what all the media say, no matter what's going on in society, I still have hope. Why? Because this world is not my home. So even if it looks like nothing is going well around me, the Bible says, lift up your head because your redemption draws nigh. I know that my hope is not in. Yesterday I went to the, to the primaries and I voted here in Clay County in Missouri. But my hope I have a hope that this one passes and this one wins and this one doesn't pass and this bill doesn't pass or whatever it is. But my hope is not in anything that's going on in Jefferson City or Washington, D.C. I, I, I hope for the best, but my true hope is in Jesus Christ. My true hope is that, God, I will be, I can't wait to be with you forever. And so Jude, it, it says, as I say, glory to God, he's going to give you a, a great joy in his glorious presence without a single fault. And it says, and then he goes on, and I want you to read this with me. Let's close this session here right now by reading this together, verse 25. Let this be your life's anthem, okay? Just verbalize it. I know, I know some of you are thinking right now, he's going to read it, and I'm not. No, no, please stop what you're doing and read this out loud with me. There is power in the spoken word. The Bible says, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There is power in the spoken word. 
So read this, and, and let this be your prayer. Verse 25, ready, go. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. Come on, read that one more time with me. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. What's that saying? Power was his before the earth began. Power is his right now where we are, no matter what your situation is. And power is his beyond time. Even when time ends and eternity begins, he is the one. That's why he says, I'm the alpha, the omega. That's the first and last letter of that Greek, Greek alphabet. He's saying, I'm everything in between. He is the I am. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the ending. He's the one who knows that wh what everything started. He knows where you are now, and he knows where it all is going to end. And so because of that, we can take hope in him. We can, we can choose joy. So when life hurts, look at that title slide again. There's a reason why I put three dots on that title slide. There's three dots, that ellipses, that, that continuation. Why? Because there's more to this thought. When life hurts, dot, dot, dot. It's not just when life hurts, period. It's when life hurts, dot, dot, dot. I choose joy, and I encourage you that where you are right now, I'm not belittling your situation because I know that you are going through, there's probably some of you that are really going through some very traumatic, hurtful, painful, serious stuff today, but if you will just say, hey, before I go another step, if you're sitting on a couch, if you're laying in a bed, whatever you do, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to stand up, and if you would just begin to get ready to stand up, before you stand up, if you will say, before I put my foot on this ground, or if you're standing before I take another step, I choose joy. God, like David did, he was going through something, I'm going through something. God, like David, question where you were if you'd let him die, maybe I'm questioning the same thing. But before I take another step, before I stand up, before I rise up, I choose joy, God. And the next step that I take, it's going to be one of song. It's going to be one of worship. It's going to be one in the hope that I have. And my hope is in you and you alone. So Jesus, right now, as we wrap up this message, God, that whoever is hurting, no doubt life brings hurt. It brings emotional, painful, physical, relational hurt, God. That wherever there is pain, Lord Jesus, that God, that you would help some people tonight to choose joy, to know that they are not without hope. And even if doctors have said no hope, you can heal their body. But even if you chose not to, there is still, our hope is not on this earth. We have a hope that is eternal, that is forever and ever in eternity with you, God. So no matter what, no one can take our hope. No one can take that from us. And so, God, I pray right now that in the midst of hurt, in the midst of pain, that you would help some, some believers to truly believe, God, in the fact that we serve a God who is eternal, who always was, is, and is to come. Help your people tonight to choose joy in the name of Jesus Christ.